0: podcast proudly presents (music) Storm in a Tea Break Welcome back everybody to another Stormers Storm in a Tea Break. I'm joined ably by my fellow film aficionado and co-host Chris Jeeves. How you doing, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm grand, man. How you doing? That was quite a grandiose intro. Kudos.
0: I forgot to introduce myself. My name's Jim Carlberg. You obviously have done amazing research for this edition of Storm and a Tea Break, so I sure. thought I'd uh, I thought I'd pick you up a little. Oh,
1: that's very sweet of you. I would have jumped so, in and could... uh, announced you had you have totally forgotten. Don't worry, I, I got your back.
0: You got my trope storming back. Uh, that's the way we roll. To talk tropes once more, uh, and today uh, an absolute belter of a trope to talk to you about. We've just come off the back of time travel tropes and time travel itself through About Time, and I think it was. I'm still like getting random nosebleeds from time to time, and I don't know how you're <laughs> faring after it, mate.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm struggling to rephase into uh, my time stream at the moment. Uh, I've been all over the shop. Yes, uh, this is another Stormy Tea Break bolts where we take a trope and explore it in greater detail, as opposed to our uh, long long-playing format where we take a, a film and break it down for tropes. Yeah, the last one was a biggie because it
0: was time travel. Uh, so it's more of a storm in a lunch break, I suppose. But it's, it's time travel, isn't it? You've got you to do it justice. And I, I think we've probably done that. So if you haven't uh, if you haven't checked that out already, do give us a listen. But, good sir, we're moving on, and we're looking at a very different kettle of 80s fish today. Mm. So
1: Maybe it would help if we tell. just uh, throw in some of our favourite sound bites. I mean, obviously Impressions is more your sort of remit on this podcast, mine. Are generally horrendous and fall terribly flat, but uh, <clears throat> here we go. Get to the chopper. That was passable. I don't
0: know. Not bad. That Not was bad. Famous Jamaican character. I could match it.
1: I mean, feel free to exceed it. Exceed it. Who am I going to go for? Um,
0: Get away from her, you bitch!
1: Oh, I like where you went there. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go more every man Be like, <clears throat> yippee!
0: Yeah, that was a good one. I, that you know, I did that justice. I felt like uh, there was a a balding vested man in the room with me. Okay.
1: I mean, let's not rule anything out at this stage. It is radio. <laughs> you are in your pants. Yeah, I feel overdressed in my pants. That's so why, you know, th- those in glass houses. Indeed, we are obviously conversing through the uh, magical medium of Zoom. Uh, other, obviously, platforms are available um, during these pandemic times. So I think we've, we've teased enough about
0: the, the, the kind of thing we're going to be talking about. We mentioned the 80s, and the 80s had spawned a very particular type of the trope that we're about to talk about.
1: It also so we're dealing, you and me.
0: This is true. This is true. And, you know, we are, if you like, you know, the action heroes of
1: our time. I feel like we're a sort of embodiment, at least on this podcast.
0: We're talking about the, the archetypal 80s action hero. And the, the 80s action hero, you know, you've had action heroes before, before in previous decades, I suppose. You have had things like The Great Escape with um, Steve McQueen, um, a lot of ensemble kind of casts where you had anyone from. Frank Sinatra to Sean Connery, obviously, and um, The Bond had been the the, the big kind of action franchise that had happened. But I feel like the 80s is really when the, the action
1: hero and the archetype really cut its teeth. It just kind of got a bit bombastic, didn't it? Like, I think it just mirrored the period in time, like everything was kind of bigger, louder, faster, dumber, more explosive in the 80s, or at least sort of looking back, that's kind of how it felt, you know, shoulder pads and and all that sort of thing. It was almost like, there was just huge budgets and a lot of uh, pyrotechnics to be unleashed. Chimed with the sort of rise of the the, the blockbuster and
0: the the, the, the summer um, being a, a real focus of um, you know the bigger, badder film coming out
1: every year. Yeah, can we take a moment to appreciate the bygone institution that was blockbusters? Maybe just like yeah, take a take a second here. I don't know. I've got my my blue and yellow armband on. <laughs> They really didn't convert to the internet age, did they?
0: No, well, you know what? I mean, you you know what? Screw them. It was like six quid for a bottle of pop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've turned quickly, haven't you? Your your, your sort of misty-eyed nostalgia has been completely uh, conflated by capitalism. I just chewed my armband off in disgust. Fair enough. I don't blame you. Uh, Yeah, so the 80s action hero, um, I found a a pretty concise uh, definition for this, which I quite like, which is that uh, any problem can be solved by the application of a fist to the right guy's face. I think that kind of encapsulates it there. And if a fist isn't available, just maybe a really ostentatious, oversized weapon, like an anti-aircraft gun, a la commando.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one, like, this is the kind of thing that's derived from one of my favourite set of Chuck Norris jokes. And the Chuck Norris memes took over the internet for
1: about two years. Mm. They were like the proto-meme.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, good, a good way of putting it. Under Chuck Norris's beard, he doesn't have a chin, it's just another fist, that sort of thing.
1: I mean, I, I can counter, I, I think I've got quite a lot of these. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a fact that uh, Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. But Chuck Norris will never cry. Wow. That that is the best, I think. That is probably,
0: you're not going to top that.
1: Chuck Norris Kung Fu is good. Yeah. I've got got another one just to sort of beat you into submission, if you like. Chuck Norris doesn't sleep. He waits. And the only element, he doesn't recognise the periodic table. The only element that he recognises is the element of surprise. (laughs) That's a doubleheader right there for you. Well, we've only got a short amount
0: of time. So, you know, if you've got any, just get it out of your system, mate, if you really. I feel like <laughs> well, you know, I think this is better than cheese jokes, which is my other fallback. Yeah. Well, anything that uh, substitutes uh, those for the time being. Um, so look, Chuck Norris is obviously, given the game away a little bit, is one of the, the key kind of archetypes of this. I mean, he's a, bit of a, he's a bit of a caricature of himself, isn't he? In many ways.
1: You know, I, I don't actually know if I've ever seen Chuck Norris in a movie. I mean, I've seen Chuck Norris being Chuck Norris in other things for comedy value. But actually, I haven't actually seen, like, I think Delta Force is his kind of uh, 80s pomp peak, but uh, I haven't actually seen any of his real back catalogue. He fights Bruce Lee in Way of the Dragon, uh, and
0: Walker, I remember every time he used to come in from school, there would be, you know, those dodgy episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger would be on as well, which were very much, they might have gone into the 90s, but they were very much made in the kind of 80s vein.
1: And a bit like a, Airwolf. Chuck don't need a helicopter. 80s action hero It's a form of protagonist who primarily uses fighting skills to achieve goals in a story. And the stories are kind of quite secondary a lot of the time. There's a lot of kind of someone gets kidnapped. That's a classic sort of uh, storyline. There's got to be like maybe an element of overcoming adversity. Obviously that would uh, cue a montage, which, you know, we're big fans of on this podcast. Huge, huge. Yeah, that, that
0: idea of a one-man army tends to prevail. Yeah, uh, uh, pretty much indestructible. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, the, and when you say indestructible, that's interesting because you, you tend to get two different types of, of this. So we've got the badass. Mm-hmm. and we've got the the action survivor. Let's look at that 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 second one first because that's not everyone knows what a badass is really. They talk about being a badass. Uh, you get badass moments, badass scenes, uh, badass set pieces. But what what do you mean by action survivor? Because that's quite an interesting concept.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind it's kind of beautifully encapsulated by Bruce Willis's uh, role as John McClane in Die Hard. He's kind of a hero, but he's a bit of an anti-hero and he's kind of just trying to get through it. He's literally trying to survive and through the survival there's a lot of action attached to it. And actually, thinking about it now, that's quite similar with the, the female version. So you have, like, the action hero is typically very male, masculine. You've also got the action heroine, which is kind of its uh, female gender equivalent. And I'd say Shigourney Weaver as Ripley in Aliens, and also Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in uh, the first Terminator movie, are kind of action survivors as well. I can't think of an 80s action uh, heroine who is just the out-and-out badass. I mean, there was like Tank Girl in the 90s. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling a little.
0: I suppose you've got to wait till you get to like the, the Tomb Raider movie, or something. And then it's very much like being as a, a as a sex symbol more than a, a a kind of an action stereotype in their own right. Maybe that
1: just uh, reflects the uh, contextual times in which uh, we're we're working here with our tropes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's right. But Sigourney Weaver's a really interesting one because I mean, the, the idea of the the survivor. She in the first Alien film, she's very much a normal woman. And and similarly with John McLean, he's a, you know he's kind of a bit of a sloppy cop, isn't he? I guess. But he, they're kind of crafted into reluctant action heroes and and into doing quite inventive and ingenious things to try and even the odds, uh, despite the fact that they they. they kind of don't really want to particularly be there whereas you always get the, the impression that the badass kind of types revel in being the badasses that they are you know they go looking for the the, the cool shot the, the cool explosion to walk in front of
1: um yeah but i mean they'd be absolutely useless in kind of everyday scenarios like going to the shops to sort of buy some monster munch or something like that i just wouldn't get it but <laughs> i like you know or getting a, a can of pop from the vending machine They'd just feel that they have to smash their way into the vending machine to liberate said can you know yeah trying <laughs> to get a shopping trolley with a grenade instead of a pound yeah, <laughs> nothing would be straightforward, nothing would be simple. They just leave, like, a trail of carnage in their wake, just trying to navigate the sort of mundane minutiae of everyday life.
0: So let's let's have a look. So the action survivors we've picked out are Sigourney Weaver as um, Ellen Ripley. In in Aliens, when she she becomes this, and that's where that get away from her you bitch quote came At from. The the expertly. Um it was that that sort of culminates in the, the 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 big action scene towards the end, where these guys really come into their own. I mean, their their respective films. You have that scene really stuck with me as as a kid because my dad, of course, made me, let me watch Aliens far too young, and probably explains why we, we're doing stuff like this podcast uh, <laughs> right now. That you know you had that wonderful scene where she turns up in the the, the power loader that's foreshadowed earlier on takes the, the, the alien queen who's the big bad of the piece to task having had a flame aside all the way through basically taking it upon herself so that she's just had enough of this shit destroys the alien nest single-handedly
1: I guess Ripley is kind of badass in a sort of more everyday sense because of everything that went before in Alien and she's kind of having to sort of face her demons and sort of conquer her past she is she's quite badass in how she goes about things like she's not the strongest she's you know not the bravest she doesn't have any expert military training but it actually it just turns out that she's got a lot of heart and a lot of courage I mean, there's, there's bits when the Marines, like one of them just starts falling apart and crying and she's the one who kind of keeps it all together and ultimately defeats the big bad in the Alien the alien Queen. Yeah, it's like she has a tipping point, really. She kind of
0: tolerates everyone else's nonsense and just does what she can to survive and then comes into her own when the stakes are at their highest. Um, and it's just, Aliens is just, it's probably the, what, like the perfect action film, really. That and, that and Terminator 2 uh, for me, um, both by Jim Cameron, obviously. Yeah, it's they they really stick out. We've covered the action survivor, I and mean, I don't think we've talked about John McClane enough, really. Um, there's some, there's a, it's a similar sort of thing with him There's very much a big bad that they have to face down. And that tends to be a running theme with all these movies, doesn't it, regardless of whether they're a, an action survivor or a, or a badass? Well, in
1: his case, it's what, Hans Gruber? Um, everyone's favourite camp uh, German played by a classic Brit, the archetypal <laughs> British bad guy uh, in Alan Rickman. You know,
0: you get that wonderful scene at the end where he's falling off the Nakatomi Plaza building in, in, in slow motion.
1: My little factoid about that, I don't know if we've covered this, I don't know if I've bored you with this previously, but that's the shot where he falls. They actually didn't, they, kept, they did loads of takes and they didn't tell him when they were going to drop him. So if you watch Alan Rickman's face when that slow-mo of him falling, he doesn't know it's going to happen because they wanted to get a much more realistic and capture the emotion of the scene. So he has no idea it's going to be that take and it catches him by surprise. Oh, that works. And then they'd they, they, they cruelly slow it down in slow motion. Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit Hitchcock, that. It's a bit sort of getting into people's minds and screwing with them just to get the results. Method. Yeah, it's not him wanting to be method, though. It's like the director going method on him without telling him. Like some sort of weird Daniel Day-Lewis level of method.
0: Now, we're missing out some big names here, Chris. Uh, we are. Uh, we're covering the, the action, and they're, they're worthy mentions, but talking 80s action heroes and not mentioning a few names that we've got further down the list would be absolute sacrilege. You're not wrong. So who's on this who's who of 80s action?
1: Okay, well... We've mentioned Willis. We've mentioned Linda Hamilton and Sigourney Weaver. We've also done Mr. Chuck Norris uh, some justice. I'm going to go with a bit of a left field one. I'm going to build this up. We're going to sort of climb the mountain of action hero to its zenith, where there'll be a big bad awaiting us that we can uh, chew on. A bit left field, this one, maybe one that doesn't spring to mind, but Peter Weller, who plays Robocop in the film of the same name, Paul Beerhoven movie, absolutely fantastic action movie, in my opinion. Yeah, really big, big social of...
0: commentary as well. It's, quite, it's much cleverer than it's given credit for, I think, on, on first glance.
1: Hmm. There's quite a lot of like witty sort of, uh, so yeah, it's definitely like a comment on the times they were living in and capitalism and excess and climate change is touched on as well. And the nature of humanity. It's got depth, but it's also got a lot of amazing action set pieces. And Robocop as a character is a, it's, it's a very similar cyborg sort of relation to Schwarzenegger Terminator. Not a lot of personality but an absolute badass he's got a gun in his leg he has a gun leg and a spike fist and he actually kills someone with his spike fist at some point
0: because there, there is there's a great bad guy in that isn't there who was uh who was on that 70s show clarence Bodiger. that's right he, he was just such a nasty piece of work <laughs> it's so it's so good <laughs> great shout that and because it's i guess you're not looking at somebody who's granite jawed or or covered in muscles in that instance in terms of 80s action set pieces um it's You've got your moments. I remember there was a Melty Man in it as well. I, oh again, God, I, I was showing that at a part of young an
1: age. You and me both, and that freaked me out. They actually cut that from the BBC. Because I first watched it while recording it without permission uh, on the VCR, and it was on BBC, and they edited that scene out, or they edited it differently so you didn't see him as the kind of Melty Man. And then I watched it, like, got a, a proper copy of it and watched it, and, oh, yeah, that is, like, turned your stomach freaky.
0: And if there's any children listening, I know we're a family podcast, but there is actually someone who's done a remake of it of the, the the shot where he's trying to stop a woman being attacked or assaulted. And uh somebody's for shot for shot done a remake in which um the mugger involved gets shot in the dick. I thought he did get shot in the dick, or you get shot in the leg. Well he gets shot in the you get shot in the dick, but then somebody has recut it so that there's just millions of photorealistic dicks getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I, you you haven't seen this. I will I, I will send you this, and then we will reconvene on the next podcast just to uh, confirm what you've what, what you've seen. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> as, as, it's the oddest love letter to anything you've ever seen uh, to, a, to an 80s action film. Okay. Wow. Oh. Dwelling on the the more sort of PG 13 stuff. A, a big thing of the the 80s action hero in general is is the catchphrase, right? We've already mentioned sort of Yippee Ki Yay. RoboCop's got your move, creep.
1: He's also got like a gun swiveling thing before he puts a gun back in his leg, which is how his partner kind of starts tweaking that. Maybe Robocop is uh, someone a little closer to home.
0: Yeah, little tales like that have become trademarks of the character. Uh, yeah, Robocop, great, absolutely great shout. Who's who's next on our illustrious list? There's, there's got to be more, there's got to be more.
1: Oh, there's many more. We're just, we're, we're ascending together, uh, skipping and holding hands merrily, looking out for bad guys to destroy with one punch. You mentioned a bit more sort of PG, PG-12A sort of times here. And I think this, I'm just going to open by saying this might be the greatest trilogy of all time.
0: What, Toy Story 3?
1: <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. All made in the uh, the 80s and all of them quite iconic for a lot of uh, their scenes and content. It's everybody's favourite fedora-wearing, whip-cracking, wise ass Mr. Doctor, Indiana Jones.
0: He's kind of in the sort of the the, the pulp vein, the sort of homage to 30s pulp literature and comics and things like that, but very much of the 80s Mm. at
1: the same time. Well, apparently um, Spielberg um, was massively influenced by the James Bond movies to make the Indiana Jones trilogy. It was kind of an evolution of that sort of suave, bit rough and ready sort of everyday man, but sort of a bit of a superhero type.
0: Yeah, and he's, he definitely is the... It's an interesting mix between the action survivor and the badass, really, because he is invincible, Indy. Uh, you know, he gets dropped out of a plane uh, in, a, in a rubber dinghy. Um, he ends up going from underneath um, a, a Nazi truck uh, in, a, in a fantastic sequence um, using, his, using his whip. And all the time, you've got that fantastic face acting from Harrison Ford, who does the, 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 the competent brick in it face that uh, he's, he's, he's so good at in all of, all of his roles. Um, but yeah, so, you know, indie is, is everybody grows up with, with indie, don't they? And that, that's kind of spanned the generations in, in the way that um, mainly because of that terrible other film, perhaps, but in the way that some of these other 80s action heroes probably haven't.
1: Mm. I mean, yeah, just don't, you know, don't let them near any snakes. Man, man don't like snakes. And that's something interesting as well. Is like you rarely get any flaws with uh, your 80s action hero. But uh, Indiana Jones is, well, he he makes no bones about it. He does not like snakes. Snakes are his downfall. Like if he was on a plane with a load of snakes.
0: Let's climb. We're on our way to peak. I want to see who's at the top of peak 80s action.
1: Okay. Now, how would you go about maybe trying to chop down a tree? I mean, I'm talking you, Mr. Jim Carlberg. What What would you typically reach for if you wanted to chop down a tree?
0: Well, conventional wisdom would would be some kind of edged, bladed implement like an axe, probably. Okay. But um, that, what I go, maybe a chainsaw if I'm feeling, you know, a bit sort of more serial killer.
1: Fair enough. I mean, for all, both fairly conventional, safe answers, I guess. How would you feel if I was to suggest you kick it down using none other than just the shin of your own leg? Basically, kicking the tree into submission.
0: What are we were talking about, I could do a bonsai. Like I'd, I'd kick the shit out of a bonsai, I think. But I guess you're
1: not talking that. I mean, you know, everyone starts somewhere. We could do a montage where you, you basically just nail a bonsai and then we can work up from there. There's a volume bonsai. <laughs> I only get one bonsai and you only get one go at it. But, you know, we've got to up the ante every time. It basically has to culminate with you kicking down a bamboo tree. How do you feel about that?
0: I've been I've been in a bamboo forest. They are they are pretty hefty pieces then.
1: Yeah, we don't mess so about.
0: We're, who are we talking about here?
1: Is it none other than the, the muscles from Brussels himself? The very same. The man who can't get enough Coors beer to quench his first is Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Famous. Van Damme indeed famous for the film Kickboxer, which I referenced there in Kicking Down a Tree in an iconic scene. And also, uh, we talk, touched on amazing names for characters. In Kickboxer, he's Kurt Sloan, which <laughs> is a jarringly bad juxtaposition of kind of an American name and a very British name for a Belgian man with a very apparent Belgian accent. And then you've got uh, Frank Ducks with an X, not as in the uh, small bird that floats, in Bloodsport. So two and they were made within a year of each other. so it's almost like the world couldn't get enough films about a guy who's really good at kickboxing. I suppose he was like
0: Diet Chuck Norris, wasn't
1: he, for the time? You
0: know, you had a, a Caucasian martial artist um, who was, you know, lent himself particularly well to, to action. I mean, my, my memory, really sadly, is, is of him as Colonel Guile in uh, Street Fighter.
1: I oh, see, I was focusing more on Kylie in that. Well, now that you've now that we've uh, navigated Den muscles from Brussels, how would you feel about a man who, since the eighties, has kind of gone? He's he's kind of blazed his own trail with some unfortunate uh, consequences. But here we start out as a man who uh, is single-handedly trying to navigate the apocalypse in Australia, whilst also having to sort of work out why Tina Turner is in a film with him. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I smell what you're stepping in here. And Uh, uh, also playing the unhid, possibly the original unhinged uh, buddy cop who doesn't play by the rules, but damn, he gets results. Of course, of course. You're, You're talking about...
0: The Mad Max and the mullet of none other than Riggs in the
1: Lethal Weapons films. Yeah, give that man an eyebrow. You are right, indeed, good sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what should, we, should we talk Mad Max first? I mean, Mad Max was a bit of an odd franchise in the same way that the Terminator films sort of changed massively, and especially the Alien films. Like the first Alien, because it's Ridley Scott, is like a, a space horror, and the second one is an all-out action extravaganza with James Cameron at the wheel. And it's kind of it's a similar thing with Mad Max. The first one, which made in 79 um has almost no dialogue it's it's quite an odd film but it kind of works whereas the second one I don't know if they basically hired someone to write some like dialogue and got a much bigger budget but it's a a pretty like full-on action movie again one that I saw far too young yeah, there's a bit of a theme with, with this, isn't it? It's kind of before... I suppose it's
0: like video games now. You get video games where you get four-year-olds playing much too <laughs> much too advanced content with Call of Duty and things like that. It's just our version of our parents doing this, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty hard to make a really violent graphic uh, video game in the early to mid-80s with those 8-bit graphics. Oh, the humanity. Cubit, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> the less said about Thunderdome, the better. But Mad Max 2 has some great bits. Like, there's a kid that has this boomerang that basically is like a blade and he throws it and some like yokel tries to grab it and it basically cuts all his fingers off. That's one of the main things I remember.
0: So Mad Max is interesting isn't it because it's not so much about um, catchphrases and and maybe even action scenes really it's more about the sort of the character archetype of the sort of the the, like lone wanderer coming into town being a mysterious character. It inspired lots of different things I think like um, there's the Fallout video game series which is very much inspired by that but there's also things like Book of Eli which was out in recent years uh, which had a, a similar sort of character archetype in it whereas they're, they're a bit more of an everyman than you kind of muscle muscle bound type but they made made up for it in other ways you know they're a bit they, they, they're they worldly wise and they're savvy in the same way that um you know like John McClane type cop who's, who's been around the block a bit and seen a few things um can can, can lend, a, lend
1: a hand to a situation. He's kind of like a hybrid isn't he because he is an action survivor trying to like, negotiate this apocalyptic landscape aimlessly drifting and sort of trying to make sense of his life in a very chaotic world that's kind of lost its way. But he's also kind of a badass, like, he's tough, he can fight, he looks after himself, he's pretty like, self-sufficient, and he has a cool car as well, which goes a long way in the action hero world. Now this is pretty much the complete opposite to the character who
0: plays in Lethal Weapon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gone like, full method in this or something, like, Rigsy is such a over-the-top character, it's fantastic. He's just sort
0: of fast-talking counterfoil to the gruff cop of um, Danny Glover. Who, who also features in a, a franchise we're, we're going to mention pretty soon. Yeah, it's 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 about the interplay, isn't it, between that? And I, I don't really know the Lethal Weapon films. My overriding memory is of the mullet and Mel Gibson attached to the said mullet, talking sass to people and being, come what may, deal with problems as they come, you know, shoot first, ask questions later type, which is a big contrast to the, the, the way that uh, Mad Max was kind of the more aloof character in terms of ac- 80s action.
1: Very much so, yeah. Quite diverse sort of roles. Lest we forget that Mad as a Box of Frogs, as he may be, Gibson... Gibson did have some acting chops and was a, was a big ticket in the 80s off the back of these films. So that leads us almost to uh, the pinnacle of the action hero mountain. Uh, the apex predator. Indeed. Uh, we're not quite at big bad territory, but we're about to face the dragon. <sighs> How do I order these? This is, this is tough. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to my heart here. So our, our next guy is uh, slightly, uh, talks out of one side of his face, I'd say, partly because uh, he's slightly paralyzed. He's featured on this podcast before, one of his, uh, the film that really put him on the map. The franchise that sort of really put it on the, in people's minds started off with a bit of a sort of comment on what it was to be a former Vietnam vet who's lost their way and can't really reintegrate into society and suffers from post-traumatic stress. And, yeah, just problems with integration and being a functioning member of society with all of these like crazy memories and skills that he has now no use for. Uh, and it spawned a trilogy all within a very short period of time. Are we talking, uh, well, you, you're talking about First Blood there, right? With, um which
0: um, when I think this, I also think of the, the many spoofs that came off the back of it as well afterwards, like Hot Shots. Yeah, definitely. So none other than the Long Oh,
1: that was that was a good one. I thought I was in the room then with a Guy. Yeah, i didn't dislocate my jaw trying to do it, but um, yeah, we got we got there. Little little random trivia fact: There's that scene in uh, First Blood where he falls out of a tree. He hits lots of branches on the way down. That's for real, and they use the take in the movie. He actually really hurts himself. I think mean, he breaks a few ribs or something. He
0: doesn't mind throwing himself about a bit, does he, Sly? He does a lot of his own stuff, and it was like dead, dead into the the, the boxing element of Rocky. Probably committed to this quite a bit.
1: Yeah, no, I'd imagine so.
0: I don't know. I still.
1: I mean, a lot of these guys are pretty big. Like Stallone was pretty big. I'm pretty sure he. It was there might have been some uh, some other things coursing through his veins other than peak amounts of testosterone. Doing your own stunts was, uh, you know, considered the ultimate in sort of manly man's action hero ness. Whereas I mean, if it was me, I'd definitely get the stunt guy to fall out of the tree. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, uh,
0: the insurance would be crazy by the oh. time he, he's not doing. He's not falling out of trees by the time he got to Rambo Four. He's like, he's, he looks like an amoeba. The size of <laughs> it, uh, it's just massive. You, you're, you're creating a crater in, in the earth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and before uh, before we got recording, um, we touched on. I haven't seen this film, but when I was doing the research, uh, he's also in a film called Cobra which has a really amazingly naff uh, poster. And he plays a character called Marion Cabretti. I'm guessing the Cobra is a play on Cabretti and Stallone's Italian-American. And you you had an interesting fact about Marion as a name. Well,
0: yeah, it's interesting choice, that, because Marion is uh, the, the real name of none other than the the action legend, and Western legend, John Wayne, Pilgrim. So what, he's Marion Wayne? No, it's, it's, it's something else. But, oh, uh, okay. So John, John Wayne's completely fabricated. Yeah, it's interesting that the, the Sly Stallone, the, the Cobra character is very much this kind of... Maverick cop, which a lot of these sort of characters tend to be. John mm-hmm. McClane is a Maverick cop. You know, they don't play by the rules. That kind of, you remember McBain in The Simpsons? Who actually just You don't do things by the book, McBain. And then he'd be like, he ends up shooting the, the book and saying, bye-bye book.
1: Um, <laughs> very much in the vein of someone we're about to talk about. Very much indeed. Yeah, the, the it's kind of, your choices are former police officer or sort of former soldier, really, or current serving, either of the two. Uh,
0: and the, Ram- the Rambo character really morphed into something quite different from the, the, the Drifter, silent, stoic Drifter type.
1: He became the, the one-man army, didn't he?
0: Definitely, definitely. You know, two M60 machine guns on, you know, one on each arm. And then, you know, which would just, just be impossible. He it, it looks like he's just about to pop a vein or something. Um, exploding people with grenade arrows um he teamed up with the taliban at one point which we, we'll brush over that hey everyone has a pass. yeah everyone has a has a dark dark spell mm-hmm. we'll move on from that but he you know he kind of cemented that kind of the vest the dog tags the bandana around the head the that fantastic muscles. boxing scene that got parodied in um hot shots where he's putting hundreds and thousands on his
1: fists instead of like glass Tom's and stuff Gummies, <laughs> gummies 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 <laughs> um cool well that means us we're, we've, we've reached the pinnacle we're at the top The air's pretty thin up there I'm not gonna lie um, yeah, I'm getting
0: short of breath we're gonna need some coca leaves to deal with the uh the altitude sickness here but I, I've got a feeling that's not gonna bother the person we're about to talk
1: about oh no he's he's reveling he's in his element he's got a, a fat cigar in his mouth and he's puffing away on it he's looking at us like the puny pathetic weaklings that we really are his uh his Mr. Universe physique puts Stallone to any, any man is lesser compared to this Austrian chiselled former Mr. Universe. Forget the muscles from Brussels. This is the Bostria from Austria. Okay, that needs to stay in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone with this guy on the on the top in gold medal position purely because the three movies I'm gonna we're going to talk about, are, in their own ways, they're all iconic. And there's, there's range. Like, he hasn't just done a franchise. There's been a few things. And there's, there's more that we could talk about, but I've sort of cherry-picked these ones. And it's just what I think of immediately when I think of an 80s action hero. Take a bow. Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. This, this guy, he, he is the action hero, isn't he? When you, you, you think about particularly 80s, even 90s, straight into that, that, that gamut. What's the, the, the textbook Schwarzenegger when we're talking about this guy? It's everyone's favorite cyborg. T-800. I mean, nothing gets more one-man army wrecking crew than that thing. Cyberden systems model D-101. Exactly. Is he also the Count Dracula. Ah, ah, ah! Yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah, the cat from Sesame Street. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic with slightly dodgy prosthetics, but just so iconic. He's also in sort of kind of weird, slightly sort of sexy '80s Bondagey lever gear. Whereas in the second one, he's more of like a badass biker.
0: I mean, it's hard, it's arguably that's his greatest acting role,
1: isn't it? Because he he does play the villain in the in the first film, and then
0: T2 is one of the greatest films of all time. Full stop. But it also carries on that kind of action chase vibe from from the '80s, and it's only just in into 1990, and it's Jim Cameron again. Talk about catchphrases, talk about action set pieces, sequences, talk about showdowns with big, bad villains like the T-1000. It doesn't get much better, really, than action in the, in the Terminator series. And even in the first film, um, there's the sequence where the immortal I'll be back is coined, which actually in the script wasn't originally I'll be back. The original line was apparently I'll come back. Oh, uh, that's no good. Which, you know, Arnie thought, nah, I'm not having that. That is, that is no good. I'm going to change that. Uh, yeah, so Definitely not a case of him just getting the script wrong. No, 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 no. We're going to give him some artistic license. Not only that, I think the other one that springs to mind when you think about Arnie and 80s action, again, is is science fiction linked. And we talked about him being the apex predator, predator, the film, oh Shane Black's Lord. predator. Wow, that really... Dutch. Dylan, you son of a bitch. And the the, the new inducing handshake <laughs> that... Uh... Populates many a GIF across the internet. You know, it's, it's, it's an, again, watch that far too young. Mm, ditto. Here. All throughout that, you know, that's full of 80s action heroes on the, the whole team. Jesse Ventura is the minigun toting, redneck, you know, I ain't got time to bleed, all that sort of thing. It's just full of just line after line. And um, at the end, we've got Arnie covered in mud, going toe to toe with a seven foot alien monster. You, you can't look past Arnie, right? As the, the 80s action hero. He, he, he embodies the archetype, doesn't
1: he? He's got it all. Um... My favourite line in that is uh, the bit where he uh, falls over the waterfall and then crawls through the mud and uh, the Predator's looking for him and can't find him. And he's like, he couldn't see me. Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. There's just so many amazing moments in that film. Like, It's just absolutely ridiculous and brilliant for it all the way through. I obviously just can't get past Carl uh, Weathers not being Apollo Creed. So in my head, it's just always Arnie's running around with Apollo Creed, which doesn't make much sense, but it's kind of fun. I it's the first draft somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carl Weathers makes it through to the end and just like biffs for a Predator in the face. <laughs> with his uh, Stars and Stripes top hat on. <laughs> in character as Apollo Creed. I, I absolutely love Predator. It's a shame they made a sequel. Um, Arnie obviously didn't bother turning up because no one bothered turning up in that film. But yeah, no Predator, fantastic. And there is one more that needs a mention. It ticks the box for ridiculous name of main character. And it also features... Uh, the impossible feat of picking up two anti-aircraft guns and firing them at the same time. This is
0: none other than John Matrix Tick. in Commando. Is that correct? You've nailed it there. Oh, uh, yeah. that That is the one-man
1: army film, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... Lambo uh, is the, the uh, a more serious take, I think, but... The kill count alone, like there's that bit, I don't know if it's in Hot Shots or Hot Shots Part 2, where they basically like send up action movies and he's basically just firing a gun. And there's like a little counter that just sort of says how many bad guys have been killed. And they just like keep overtaking other movies and going up this leaderboard until it's like goriest film ever or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting scene because it, I mean, the, Charlie Sheen very much looks like Rambo throughout it, but it's, I think that's every bit uh, a, a copy or pastiche of Commando. Than more than anything else, that particular scene, because there's one point where he's just stood out in the open. This giant hulking Austrian man, no cover whatsoever, stood two machine guns again, gunning scores of platoons of these like faceless goons down, who just don't seem to be able to touch him whatsoever. Again, that inspired a lot of stuff like spoofs in the um, in the 90s, and it, but it also linked in with um, uh, True Lies. Is a, I think is a good continuation into the, the 90s of, of that kind of film because there was only really Arnie, I think, that could sustain that kind of typecasting and that kind of film. He, he could be, carry that as a vehicle on his own. And uh, yeah, True, True Lives is just like one of my favourite action films as well.
1: Yeah, it is actually uh, absolutely fantastic and equally r- ridiculous, like the end sequence with the Harrier jump jet. <laughs> I think it defies not only the laws of physics and gravity, but it just beggars belief, but you just don't care. And that's what these films are, aren't they? They're just, it's the suspension of belief. You know what you're signing up to. It's going to be balls to the wall, ridiculous and silly. And you've just got to strap yourself in and just just, just go with it. It's pure so escapism.
0: The 80s, the 80s men of action and the, the 80s women of action, uh, uh, of course, who we've mentioned today. We salute you here on the Trope Stormers Storm in a Tea Break 80s action hero special.
1: Mm. So what, uh, what have we quickly learned if we were to basically get out our uh, modelling kit and try and make one of these action heroes super quick?
0: I think you've got to be, you know, you don't really get a, a slob. Even John McClane is, is in, in some sort of shape. He cuts an uh, alright figure for a, a man in a vest. Yeah, he gets away with a vest, and a vest seems crucial. I think, yeah, um, definitely vest. You need a bandolier of some description of grenades or bullets or something. Minimum, uh, you either they...
1: need a bandolier or you need something tied around your head that's not a tie. You need a,
0: a weapon of some description that is inappropriately used to carry in one hand. Miraculously, you can
1: do it. Or weapons, like like an outrageous arsenal of weapons on your person. I'd take either. I mean, you're obviously far more masculine <laughs> if you just have, like you say, an outrageously oversized one of something that's not meant to be portable.
0: Yeah, I think that, that and of course forgetting,
1: you need catchphrases. Yes, You know. how are you gonna navigate yeah. life without catchphrases? That's, you know, the whole reason that he's thrown a grenade instead of putting a pound in the shopping trolley is because, you know, he didn't have the uh, adequate catchphrase or the catchphrase yeah. he wanted to use or she didn't respond. You need a, he'll live, I lied. <laughs> otherwise you're just not going to get away with it i'll be back and i think you know bonus qualities can be unusually high amounts of drinkings or smoking token cool car the ability to fight to a high level and also embrace the dark arts of fighting like kick someone in the balls if necessary probably some sort of good backstory like a, a former soldier or former police officer or something like that so that's like right. a, paint, a paint by numbers of constructing an action hero of the 80s
0: we look like we're well on the way to writing an 80s action script a couple of decades too late but maybe, uh... maybe
1: it's time for a renaissance maybe people's what people are calling out for everything's cyclical it all comes back round get Arnie on the phone
0: and if we can't get him we'll get Van Damme or even Seagal we'll get Segal; better push
1: we've, I feel like we're off to a bad start we've got Segal; people will yeah. judge us he can burst out of a cake how about a cameo <laughs> done done well I think that about covers it we've got other podcasts
0: coming up and we've got podcasts we've just done we've covered the time travel stuff so you can go back in time or back through your podcast feed and check that out uh, we've got the about time to listen to as well as the Storming a tea break like this one uh, to do with time travel. Uh, what else can they, the dear listener check out?
1: Well, if I go back further, we've got uh, a whole litany of amazing titles that we've covered so far. You could check out the uh, FBI's finest as a surfer dude in uh, Point Break. You could see whether or not uh, The Lion King is the greatest Disney movie of all time. And we've even touched on such fine uh, people featured here tonight, Sylvester Stallone, and see whether Rocky delivers a knockout punch or whether he just falls on the ropes and can't get back up again. So plenty to uh, peek back uh, through our back catalogue and discover, if you haven't already. Check it all out.
0: Yeah, and that's all available on our social channels as well. Links through there. So at Trope Stormers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and email address at tropestormers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can find all this stuff at our website, which is, Chris? Uh, bryanstormers.net. Did I get that right? That's right, which we share with our uh, other sister podcast, The Half-Life of Brian. So plenty there for you to, to check out.
1: We're really like content kings, aren't we? We
0: are content kings. If we not, do not, these action heroes, please help us do this. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe, people. <laughs> it's only left to say one thing, and as we always say here on TropeStormers, this is the Bostria from Austria. Bye for now. Bye for now. Take care. I'll do
1: work. couldn't see me
0: (laughs) that was very camp i'll keep that in